He comes up here every Sunday, and he's, you know, he, he does a great job. He's even now uh, going to be uh, teaching at this Engage Summit, uh, the workshop for our hosts. So praise God for that. Obviously, he's doing a good job there. And uh, it takes a lot to come up every day, every Sunday, and do what it is that he does. And, uh, and he's right, there's no football this weekend, which is very, very, very tough. So the, for wives, this is a great time for you to get your husband to start doing things that he's been slacking off and say, hey, if you want to watch the big game next week without any interruptions, you better get done today what needs to get done. Amen? Some husbands are not happy with me right now, but it is what it is. But anyhow, praise God. Um, we are getting ready to end our series titled Come Alive. Uh, it's been a blessing for me to preach through this. We had Elder Jose help me preach through this, uh, through this series in the book of Ezekiel. How many people here, and you can be honest with me, have, because of the series, has said, hey, I'm going to go home and start reading the book of Ezekiel. Anybody here? All right, good, good. I'm glad to see some hands. I would have been disappointed if there was none. It's a very, very good book. It's a complex book. Uh, and so if you've read it, you kind of at least get the major, major points here in this series. But we're going to finish it today. And um, it's always a, a fun time to come to the end of a series where we get to kind of just put everything into perspective. Uh, but before we do that, if you could just bow your heads really quick. I just want to pray. I want to get today's message started the right way. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity in which you've given us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would ready our ears, our hearts, and our eyes to see, to listen, and to receive what it is that you have to give us today. Lord, I pray that you would allow the distractions that are fighting for our attention to be pushed to the side, God, and that we would give you our undivided attention, Lord, within this time frame that we have here together. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding of your word today. All of this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we talked, uh, we went to the vision in which God takes Ezekiel to this valley, to this kind of like, think of a, of a desert of dry, broke, broken bones. And today as we finish looking back at the book of Ezekiel, we're going to see that this theme, the theme of this book uh, is not living passive, right? Not living passive, not living driven in our desires to not live in death, but to, to come alive and to live in God's presence. That's what we've been talking about so much, to, to come alive. The people of Israel, they had, they had began to muffle their ears from hearing the voice of God. They were no longer following his commands, and, and they were just doing whatever it is that they wanted to do. They were following their desires into sinful ways, and God said, enough. So God begins to remove his hedge of protection. The Assyrians first come and start taking some people into exile. Then the Babylonians come and begin to take people into exile. This whole series, I've been using this image of wake up. It's a message that wasn't just for them back then, but it's a message for the church today. Because Ezekiel is a writing to a people who were sleeping in their present time. They were asleep. They were hiding under their despair. The people in which Ezekiel was speaking to, the people of Israel, they were hiding in their hopelessness or, or, or even living in a false reality of denial. 
And so God goes on ahead and he begins to use Ezekiel to address his people and call for them to, to wake up. He says, listen, even though you guys are sinning, even though you guys are living in ways that you ought to not be living, even though you guys have been dispersed all over the place, I, you still are my people. I still have given you a promise. I still want to fulfill my promise. I still will fulfill my promise, but I need you to wake up. Wake up to his voice, to his vision, to his way of life. But I'm going to be real with you, and that's that we know that we are, when we are in a season of despair, when we are in a, a season of denial, it is hard for many of us to wake up to reality. It's hard. It's hard. Sometimes people will come to you and say, listen, I love you, but listen, this is, what you're doing is wrong, and, and we're so stuck in, 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 this, in this season that, that it's hard for us to wake up. It's hard for us to come to our senses. We're stuck in another dream for life. How many people here, have, when, you're, when you've been sleeping, all of a sudden you, you have this dream, and it feels so real? It feels so real, so vivid. There were times where I would have dreams when I was younger, and I'd wake up crying. I'd wake up running to my parents' room to make sure they were, they were still there. The other day, I had a dream that it was so vivid that, that I had to, like, when I woke up, I had to, okay, okay, like, is this real or is it, is it fake? You aren't sure what's a dream and what's reality. And, and when you have one of these dreams that feels so real, it, sometimes it, it, it's hard to wake up. And when you do wake up, it's hard to distinguish between a dream or reality. But the reality is that we have to wake up to a vision of life. Eventually wake up and you've got to see, okay, everything is okay. And the truth is that we are all living towards one vision. We're all living towards one vision of life or another. We all have goals. If I say how many people have goals here, I hope everyone would lift up their hands. We all have ideas. We all have dreams, a, a vision for how it is that we want our lives to go. But my question to you today is, are we pursuing a vision of life? Are we pursuing God's vision of life? And that's what we're going to be talking about in our passage here today. How God, the Lord of Lords, the King of the Kings, how he invites us to discover a vision of life. A vision of life, not just a vision of what we perceive to be life, but a vision of what he says true life is is. You see, we often struggle to hold on to God's vision of life. Why? Because there is so many competing visions of life and that demand for our attention. God gives vision to show. God gives vision to reveal his heart to us and to instill hope to us. God calls us out of our sleep through his vision of life. And we see here as I've repeated, that Ezekiel is written to people who are in exile, people who are living in a strange and foreign land, and they've let their vision of life fall into hopelessness through despair and denial. And the first thing that we're going to see in our passage today, and that is that if we're going to live into God's vision, and I'm going to explain this a little bit more as we go, not living according to our vision, but living according to God's vision, we must first See the vision. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. In order to live into God's vision, we must first see the vision. Right? 
before I can convince you to be a part of something greater, you've got to be able to see it with your own eyes, to buy into it. So before we go into chapter 47, which is where I'm going to be spending my time in showing you this vision that God presents to Ezekiel, in order to put that into context, I want to take you to first to chapter 40. So if you have your Bibles, you can get ready with me. You can open them up to the book of Ezekiel chapter 40. But before I jump in there, if you remember, last week when I, I was focusing on chapter 37, or really chapters 36 and 39, we see that obviously people have dismissed everywhere all over the place. Uh, people are, are discouraged. People are just really reaping the, 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 the consequences of their sin, okay? But yet God still says, I have hope for you. We see throughout these three chapters that God is giving a vision of hope, that he is saying, hey, I'll, I'm going to put a new heart in you, a heart of flesh. I'm going to put a new spirit into you. And that spirit, we talked about it last week, right? It's my spirit. It's God's spirit. God was going to put his spirit into people that were lifeless, living without him. And so to culminate this vision of hope in God's presence, in chapter 40, we begin to see that, that this, this is going to occur through the arrival of God's presence. I'm not sure if we've preached this part, in, but somewhere between chapter 3, 4, 5, around there, we see that Ezekiel sees a vision from God, and in that vision, God, God's presence from his temple is actually leading, and it actually leaves. That's why these people are, were bones. That's why these people were dry, spiritually dry. Could you imagine your life right now without the Spirit of God? Could you imagine this world in the craziness that we find ourselves living in right now with all, all, all of the sin, all of, this, all of these people just creating havoc, disease, all that stuff. Could you imagine this world completely without the presence of God where he wouldn't be found even if we were seeking him? This is what had happened. That's why the people had lost complete hope now. But in this future vision that God gives Ezekiel, God is saying, my presence is going to come back. He communicates this through a vision of a new temple. If you remember, probably in the beginning of last month, you probably have to really go back. If you're a note taker, you probably have to go all the way back there when I talked about God among us, where, where the people of Israel were going through the wilderness with this tabernacle. It was this tent that they would take with them everywhere, wherever, whenever God said, okay, it's time to go, they would pick up, they would wrap everything up, go to the next spot. And in that tabernacle, in the holies of holies, there was, there was this, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God was. And as long as the presence of God was there, the people would see that, and they were encouraged, and they knew that God is with us. But in this season, the presence of God left. And so now Ezekiel starts to speak this vision that God gives him to the people. It says, hey, wake up because there is hope. Wake up because God's presence once again is going to come back and live amongst us. And that was great, great, great news. Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 1 through 4. Let's read about it. It says, in the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year, after the city was struck down, this was prophetic as well that this was going to happen. The city of Jerusalem, Israel, all of it is completely 
destroyed now, including the temple. On that very day, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me to the city. In visions of God, he brought me to the land of Israel. And he set me down on a very high mountain on which was a structure like a city to the south. When he brought me there, behold, there was a man whose appearance was like bronze with a linen cord and measuring reed in his hand. And he was standing in the gateway. And the man said to me, son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I, I shall show you. For you were brought here in order that I might show it to you. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. Now, this is going to be super theology. Uh, this is not going to be just your, your rah, rah, rah message. We're going to dive deep into what the word of God has to say here. So stay with me because it's important. During the writing of this, as I mentioned, Jerusalem had fallen. The people are in disarray. The people are living in hopelessness because the temple was destroyed. The temple in which where, where they knew that the presence of God resided in was destroyed. Their very hope where they would go to. What happens many times when we're feeling hopeless, when we're feeling discouraged, we go on our knees and we go and we begin to pray to God. Where that would happen for the people of Israel that had been destroyed. Not only were they already in Babylon, but they know back home that temple is gone. So God goes on ahead and he gives Ezekiel this vision. And he tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you, you know what? Open your eyes and see that which is destroyed is going to come back to life. And that's a word that, that, that I want you to know. Some of us right now are, are, are living and we're saying, hey, there's certain areas in my life that have been destroyed. That I feel like, like, like the enemy just came and just, you know, just in, in a raging way destroyed everything. My relationship with God has been destroyed. My relationship with my family members have been destroyed. My relationship in my, in my marriage is being destroyed. My love, my passion for God has been destroyed. Well, praise God because if you are here today, you have breath in your lungs. God is saying, listen. If you listen and if you obey him, what was once destroyed, God is going to bring back to life. Why is this a, such a big deal? I, I mentioned this. The temple to the Israelites, it was home. The temple to the Israelites, was it, it was their shelter. It was the dwelling of God's presence. But what God is, is saying to the people is that my presence is returning to you. My presence is bring, being brought back to you. I want you to listen again to this invitation in this passage that God gives to Ezekiel. He says, he says this, And the man said to me, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I show you. What this is, is it's an invitation. It's an invitation to discover the reality of God's felt presence. The vision of life that comes from God, it's all about his presence. The vision of life doesn't come in how much effort you are putting in making yourself better or obtaining for that goal that, that you have set in your career, in what you can achieve on your own. The vision of life that comes from God is his presence drawing near to your life. 
God is saying, listen and look, this vision that I have for your life is a vision in which you will be in my dwelling, living with me, sensing me. And that's good news. That's very good news that, that we have to remind ourselves over and over again that God is a God who draws near to us. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you is what, what the Lord says in his word. The Bible tells us that we are as close to God as we want to be. If you're dealing with, if you're feeling like, man, I just, I, I'm not close to God. Well, maybe that's just where you want to be at that moment, if we're being frank. And that's what speaks to, to, to the slumber of hopelessness that comes through despair and denial, that God is near. You know, whenever you're discouraged, know that God is near. Whenever you feel like you're alone, know that God is near. Whenever you feel like, hey, I don't think I can continue to live my life in this manner towards God, know that you're not alone, that God is near. The vision of life is initiated with this clear invitation. He says, look with your eyes. That's what God tells Ezekiel. And hear with your ears and set your heart upon all that I shall show you. He uses those three important words. Look, see, and hear. If you've noticed, before I go on ahead and preach a sermon and I pray, I always pray that we would say, God, open our ears to hear what you are showing us. Open our eyes to see what you want to show us and ready our hearts to receive what you want to pour into to us. Because when you can focus on those three things and you can focus them directly on God and his word, that's where you get the full meal. Not just an appetite, not just your drinks, the full entire meal of what God wants to pour into you. So much of Ezekiel is about seeing the vision of God. Remember when God shows up to Ezekiel in the very beginning in chapter 1? It's, it, it, it's that God had, or Ezekiel had to look and see and to listen and to eat the word of God. What we find again in this invitational approach is, do you see what I see? What God is starting in Ezekiel chapter 40 is to again give the prophet this vision of what life looks like when his people draw near to his presence. You know, sometimes we just, we have a hard time focusing on what it is that we need to focus. The other day, I remember I took my daughter uh, over by where we live. We've got many hills that you can go sledding in. Well, if you know my daughter well, you know that she loves uh, rock climbing. She loves, uh, you know, zip lining. She, she just... She says, hey, Dad, sledding is not enough. Now I want to start snowboarding down these hills. So we took her, the other, uh, we took her a couple weeks ago. She kind of saw the snowboard at the Target, bring it to us, and kind of worked out a deal. Um, my wife didn't want to get it because she said, no, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to need helmet, shoulder pads, all these type of things. And, and finally she got it, and, and she couldn't wait. She's like, Dad, take me, take me, take me. So my wife was over at a store, and I ended up just taking her to a hill that was by that store. We, at that point, it, it bordered uh, Naperville and Bolingbrook. And so she goes down, and she's a little afraid in the beginning, but she starts going down. And she goes down there cool, and she's like, Calabunga. I said, well, that's more like you're, you're surfing, you know, but it's okay, you know. But she continued to go up and down, up and down, up and down. And then all of a sudden, she says, Dad, there's a coyote over there. You know, it was a, it was a good distance, but 
uh, there's a coyote over there. I said, where? I don't see it. It's right over there. So she, she, she kind of got a little probably maybe frustrated with me that I couldn't see what it was that she saw. So she kind of comes closer to the car right there by the window, and she kind of points, like my head's here. She's pointing here where I can follow her arm and her finger to see what it is that she was trying to show us. Now, I mentioned this to you because in order for us to gain this vision of life in God, Many times we have to draw near to his presence. I can't see it, God. I can't see, I can't see what you want for me. I can't see the purpose that you have for me. And God says, can you see it? But I'm showing you. It's right there. God, I, I just don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. No, but it's right there. Come closer, son. Come closer, daughter. And the closer and closer that we begin to get closer to God, the clearer and clearer we can see with his guidance, with his direction, what it is that he wants us to see. Are you sitting and are you gaining God's perspective on your life? Because we get caught up in competing visions of life. We spend all of our time carving out and holding on to, to our vision of life. This is what I want my life to look like. This is how my life should look like. At this age, I should already obtain this level of success. At this time, I should be already afford to be able to afford this. Or in X amount of years, I expect my life to look like that. And many of us are driven by those things, and they're okay, but you've got to be very careful being driven by those things because sooner or later, sometimes, unfortunately, you will have possibly reached and obtained that goal only to find out that you kind of said bye-bye to God's vision for you. These visions of our expectations, they begin to blind our eyes to God's vision of life. That's why I try so many times when I have a, a vision for my life, when there's something that I want to do or I want to achieve, I always try to make sure that I say, if God wills, God, if God wills, we will achieve this. If God will, we will get that. If God wills. But the closer, you want to know why people sometimes veer away from that? It's because the closer you get to God's presence, sometimes you realize what you've been working so hard for, God wants you to have no part of it. And as Anthony said, it's kind of like, you know, that pain that we get with that dislocated shoulder. What we worked so hard, what we said, this is what my life is going to look like. Yes, I can't wait. God said, the closer we get to God, God says, don't worry about that. And it's hard. That's why in the word of God, Jesus tells us we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to ourselves, to our passions, our desires. God wants to fulfill the desires of your heart, but only when they are in alignment with his, with his vision. We can't live in the lens of our control, but we have to yield to God's vision, to the one who calls for us to open our eyes to the true life that he has for us. God calls Ezekiel. He tells Ezekiel, Ezekiel, set your heart upon all it is that I'm going to show you. God's vision of life causes us not to live blind in our expectations, in the present reality of our hardships, but to open up our eyes to another way. Your life might not feel very hopeful. Your life maybe right now may not feel like 
Like, you might not feel like you're alive right now. But God's summons to our vision is to see what he can do with his presence. What we see in Ezekiel chapter 40 is really just the beginning to what Christ fulfills in his presence, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. What he promises in the end of Revelations chapter 21 verse 5 when he says, when it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, because I am making all things new. So my question comes to the vision of God. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing what his vision according to him for your life is? Are you seeing it? And if you say, Pastor, it's very blurry, get closer to him. Get closer to God. That you see the vision of life in God. And so the first invitation into the vision of life is to, is to see, right? Is to see the vision. The second is we are to discover that this vision comes from a God of abundance. In Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 through 2, this is what it says. And now I took you, I set, I set it all up for you in Ezekiel chapter 40. I'm going to take it to Ezekiel chapter 47 right now. Then he, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. I'm going to stop right there because some of you guys might be saying, Pastor, I thought you said the temple was, was destroyed. Yes, it was. This is a vision. Now, this is a vision of God showing Ezekiel what is to come. I feel like I'm a professor up here. Water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the other side to the other gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. This is this temple. And then if you're confused with everything else, just focus on this, okay? There's water that is coming out the south side of the temple. For, for you Cub fans, I told you, you know, the south side, that's where the water's coming out, baby. <laughs> it's been a long time since I put a Sox, a White Sox joke in there. <laughs> Ezekiel is brought near to the door of the temple. And what does he discover coming from the threshold? He discovers water. That's all. Don't worry about the east, south, west. Just, just understand this. There's water coming out. And it describes the water that is coming out from the south side of the temple. Does it describe it as a roaring rush of water? No. It's a steady trickling of water. That's like sometimes you open up a faucet. Uh, and you just got a little bit of water coming out. That's what's coming out. I want, you to, I want you to have that in your mind when it comes to the water that is coming out of the south side of the temple of God. Okay? There is a high repetition of water in this passage. Actually, more than in any place in the Old Testament does this passage here have emphasis on water. And, and you may be saying, well, what is water a reference to? Well, normally when I think what's the opposite of water sometimes for us is like thirst. You know, you kind of think of thirst when you think about water. Like, I'm talking about water so much, I'm pretty thirsty right now. 
It's a quenching source. When you're thirsty, when you're just desired, like you, you feel like your mouth, I'm sure this has happened to many of you guys, you feel like your mouth is so dry, like, like everything. Like I remember when, we were in high, when I was in high school, and I played high school football as well, and we, we did a little bit of training right after school, but then they would give us about uh, two weeks off, and then we had to come back in August. School hadn't started yet, and they, we would call it the dog days of summer. We would do doubles. For that whole week, we would have two practices back-to-back, two practices each day, four or five days in the scorching sun of the month of August. And I remember our coach was so upset with us because he had told us, make sure that you're running throughout your break and make sure you're watching what you're eating. Well, what do you think a teenage boy is going to do for two weeks that he's off on summer vacation? He's going to eat bad, and he ain't running. And so as soon as we started doing some laps, the coach noticed these guys are out of shape. He said, you know what? Because you didn't listen to me, I am going to make you guys run till you throw up. We knew that wasn't good. And so here we are, Mather High School. We've got Lincoln Avenue over here. I forgot the other street over here. Cars are passing us. And he's got us running so much that he, he it, was, it was really quick. We realized he ain't joking around. We're all starting to fall down. We're all like just kneeling down. And, and, and finally, you know, some of us are puking. It's just crazy. It's crazy. And all of a sudden, but there was this water sprinkler that he had. It was like PVC pipe with water just coming out, and it was all kind of stuff you see in the farm for animals. Yeah, it shows you kind of, you know, uh, uh, what we had. We see, I can see the water over there, and I, 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 my mouth is so dry, and I just want some of that water. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating you. The whole team, when he finally said, okay, go get water, nobody ran. You want to know why nobody ran? Because we were crawling. Because we were so thirsty. We could, we're like, you know, it's like those, those, those ideas you get when you're in the desert and you kind of see, think you see some water and you're kind of crawling. That's the way it was for us. That water was a source of life. That water for me is like I needed to get that water so that I can, I can kind of just satisfy the thirst that was in you. Have, have you ever been in a situation, maybe not like that, but where you've run out of water? It can be pretty devastating and a fearful moment if that's ever happened to you. Well, this passage, it gives us this image of water because it's, a, it's communicating a source of refreshment. The water is coming out of the temple, the dwelling of the presence of God. In verse 3 through 6, it says this. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. It was ankle deep. I don't know if you caught that. What, what was the source? How much, was, how much water was coming out of this temple? Trickling. Just a little bit. But all of a sudden, he, he, he starts to walk with this, with this man, and now he's measuring that the water is ankle deep from this little trickle. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was now knee deep. This little trickle now, as he walks, a thousand cubits is ankle deep. As he walks a little bit more, now is knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. From a little trickle coming from the presence of God. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in. 
a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? I'm going to get into this. He ends verse 2 by saying it started off as a trickle. But what begins as a trickle begins to miraculously grow ankle deep. Then it grows knee deep. Then it grows, it, it, it grows waist deep. Then it grows into a river that you couldn't pass through with your legs alone. It's become a deep, large place of abundant water. You see, the Hebrew indicates that the origin of this source of water is no larger than the mouth of a bottle or of a jar. Yet over just a mile away from that, it's a full and flowing river. And so we begin to see from this prophetic image that God's presence, listen to this, what we're seeing here is that God's presence carries with it a source of abundance. That God's presence is one that communicates to his people. Listen, it communicates to his people, I have more than enough for you. The invitation to discover the vision of life from God is to go on ahead and to have our eyes opened up to the full possibilities of what God can do. Not to minimize his power to small things, but to open up our lives to his abundance. This is the power of hope that we have in God. Because the water was not just coming from anybody's faucet. The water was coming from the very dwelling place of God in the temple of God. That even though what was trickling out was a little bit, when you walked a little bit further down the road, eventually it was a roaring river that you couldn't even walk through any longer. That is the abundance of God. Even if you only crack a window of your life for God's presence, it can lead to a complete opening life change for you. The depth of water that we see here reveals the power of God's presence, his living, giving power that we are to receive his abundance. Biblically, the theme of abundance is about God's presence to care for his people. In the Garden of Eden, there was a place that, 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 that the fruits and, and everything that was growing there, it would never run out. There was an abundance of food. If you remember when the people were going through uh, the, the wilderness, there was manna. There was always extra. Do you remember that? That God says, listen, don't go storing this because I'm going to give you more. If you remember when Jesus Christ was there and they were trying to figure out how are we going to feed all of these thousands of men and women. And God goes on ahead and he multiplies the five loaves and the five fishes. And there was enough. There was a full meal, not just for them. But the Bible says what? There was leftovers. When we form our lives, church, to see this vision of life in God's abundance, it forms us to be people who are reliant on receiving from him for our needs. God says, I've got more than enough for you. We become who we are abundantly by receiving from the abundance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we understand that, we stop trying to create our own vision of life? Why do we have so much hard times when it comes to giving to the Lord what belongs to him or giving him of our life or giving him of our attention? Because we feel like, well, if I give God too much, then I'm not going to have enough. What if I don't have enough? What if I don't have enough to cover bills? What if I don't have enough energy to spend with my family? Whatever the case is, but we know that when you invest 100% in God, God will provide. 
stop trying to create our own vision of life, and instead we learn to receive and to live out of God's vision. And what we see is that that leads us to true life, everlasting life. And so lastly, we see that this river here that I just described to you just isn't any old river, but it is what the Bible calls the river of life. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 7 through 8. Follow me. I'm going to go through a couple different places here. Just want to give you a, ba- a real good understanding of what this, this is. It says, then he led me back to the bank of the rivers. And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. This is prophetic. This is a prophetic word that I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you right now. And the water that, that, that starts trickling, as, that starts as a trickle up in this temple, the Bible in this vision shows that it eventually grows into a river. And we see that the river flows all the way down, the scripture says, into the Arabah. Now, what is Arabah? What are you talking about, pastor? Well, the meaning of it, means that it flows all the way to the Dead Sea. How many people have heard of the Dead Sea? Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you've studied it. Studied it. If you've visited Israel, maybe you've seen it. I know you have. The Dead Sea is, this fa- is the famous sea in Israel that sits 435 feet below sea level. And it, I didn't realize until I was really studying this, but that's the lowest place on the face of the earth. The sea has so much concentrated salt in it that they say you can see the salt on the shore. They say you could actually float on this water. And it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. It's called the Dead Sea because there is so much salt in it, no creatures can live in it. The the concentration, it's like when you go to Puerto Rico or or, or California, wherever the case is, you go to the beach. uh, You know, I remember my cousin throwing me in the beach, and all of a sudden I I, I went in with my mouth open, and I felt like I had had a thousand pounds of salt in my mouth. This is is worse. But I want you to listen to this prophetic word that God gives to Israel, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47 says that the water from the temple flows to it. And what happens? If you were paying attention when I read it, it becomes fresh. Verse 9, and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the water, waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. So the sea that is known as dead Right now, if you look at it, if you studied it, if you visit Israel and you see it, that this Dead Sea, that nothing goes there. Prophetically, according to the word of God, eventually when Christ comes and everything is, is remade to be what he designed it to be, that river will produce life now. The Dead Sea becomes a place of life. Not only does the word of God show us that this river that of, of, of his life not only do we see that, that he provides enough, because no matter what, there's more and more and more, but also he showed the, shows us that wherever that river goes through, even if it was dead, once again, it will come back to life. The water isn't just abundant. If you get what I'm saying, you realize that the water is transformative. 
It's a river of life. The image that we, be, we begin with in Ezekiel chapter 47, it is, it's that of God's presence that we find the transformative power of life. So not only does God say, come to me, to, and I will give you more than you need if you can just see the vision that I have for your life. But he also says, when you come to me, you will also, your life can be transformed. If you were dead, you can be alive once again. And this is a word that he's giving to the Israelites who have been away from their land. If you ever read Psalm 46, 4, this is kind of talking about this as well. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And so if this water source not only has an abundance, not only does this, if, if this water source gives us life, then the question that I have for you is, are we soaking our lives in this vision of God? Are we soaking our lives in this vision of God? If we know that this water, if the presence of God makes us alive, if we know that the presence of God gives us more than we need, then are we soaking our lives in that vision? I don't know how many of you guys have seen those little toys at the stores where you buy and it says, you know, you drop it in the water and it grows bigger. Have you seen them? Or, or, or sometimes even the little uh, bath, bath wash bath or whatever, you kind of put it in and it, and it grows big. Or I've seen them in dinosaur forms and you buy it and you pick it up and now it's a big T-Rex. What happens when you put that toy that's this small in that water? The water causes transformation. That's the image that we are given in Ezekiel chapter 47. In Ezekiel 47, the message is that God's transforming power flows out from the temple into the lives of sinners like you and me, healing them and restoring them to their place in the covenant community. When we live into the competing visions of life, church, that we establish on our own, when, when we let our vision of life be dominated by the cultural expectations to keep up, to always be moving forward, we often miss the vision of life that God has for us. And church, I'm here to tell you, we need to let our lives be soaked in God's presence. We need to let our lives be soaked in his river. Why? So that we can live into this life. Verse 10 says that the fish live in this water. They live in this river. Verse 10 gives us this full image. Verse 12. It says, and on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. God's presence brings life. So why do we need to slow down our life and make sure that we sit in God's word? Well, if you're following me, then it's because it brings about life. Why do we need to go on ahead and we've been talking about this whole series, carving out time in our life to sit in God in prayer. Why do we need to do that? Because his presence brings about life. 
Why do we come to worship Sunday after Sunday? Because we are opening up our lives to the vision of God's life. And we're saying to God, God, I can't see it, but please show me. Reveal your presence to me. And when he does, when you get close enough to his presence and you can see what he has for your life, there is no greater feeling than that. We are all thirsty. We are thirsty for comfort in our lives. We are all thirsty for security in our lives. We are thirsty for purpose and meaning in our lives. We are thirsty for success and satisfaction. And so where is it that we can quench this thirst that no other place can quench it? The presence of God. Ezekiel 47 gives us this vision of a river of life. Why? Not because it's a creative image, but because God is giving us this reminder to return to where we began with him in his presence. I want to tell you something that we're looking at. If you look at this river, we're talking about it in the book of Ezekiel, which is towards the end of the Old Testament. I took you to the book of Revelation, which is at the end of the Bible. But this river that we're talking about, this river that God shows Ezekiel through this vision, isn't nothing new. It's what God started with Eden in the Garden of Eden. A place, a dwelling, a temple of God's presence with us. God's pres- God, the temple of the Lord is where God, wherever God's presence is. That's why when Jesus goes up to heaven, he says, I'm leaving, but I am sending you someone that's going to help you. I am sending you a great counselor, the Holy Spirit. When we uh, allow our lives to be transformed by God, the Bible says that a new spirit is put into us. That's the spirit of God. That's why the Bible says be careful not to grieve the spirit. Be careful what you do with your body because if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why is it a temple? Because the spirit ought to be reigning inside. Listen to this in Genesis chapter 2. I'll be ending. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. This river that God designed that watered all of the garden of Eden is the same river that God is giving the promise and the hope to to the Israelites, saying, one day I will bring it back again. One day we will be reigning and and eating off of this river. Life, living water. What Ezekiel reveals to us in chapter 47 is again pointing us to his fulfillment in Jesus. In John chapter 4, we read this interaction of Jesus with the Samaritan woman. I'm not sure if you, if you remember that, that, that interaction that took place. They were actually at, at a well. And as Jesus begins to speak life into her, in, in, into her life of pain, into her fear, into her hopelessness, Jesus speaks life. How does he do that? He calls it living water. If you don't remember, let me take you there really quick. In John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, it says this. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. What water was Jesus talking about at that point? The well water. We drink it and we're thirsty again, right? But then he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
I hope that I'm kind of piecing it all together for you. I know, I know it's a lot to take in. Living water. And then Jesus expands on this chapter later on in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. At the Feast of the Booths, he proclaims this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. How do we live in this vision of life? Not by gaining it through our own, but by receiving it, by coming to the source. And what's that source? God's presence. His presence. And I love because he says, whoever believes in me, out of them, there's also going to be water. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, when you see the vision that he has for your life, when you begin to live that vision, and only when you begin to live that vision, now everyone that you go to, everyone that you spend time with, begins to feel the offsetting of the waters that are flowing out of you as well. Because you've been around him so much, that presence is glowing. People look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. Man, there's something different about the way you speak. There's something different about the way you think. There's something different about the way you face the circumstances that you are facing in life with. What is that difference? It is the flowing water of Jesus Christ. Because I am in his presence. Listen, some of us are dry today. Some of us, some of us, it's hot. It's hot. And we just, we, we're, we're ready to jump in, but it's so hot, and you're just like, man, I wish I could just dive into this pool. God says, skip the pool, come to my living water, where you will never thirst again. Our bodies continue to ask for things to quench the thirst, but our spirit, our spirit, we ought to be connected to a source that never ends. We see also here in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 2, again, back to the end of the, of the Bible. It says, then the angel showed me the river. This is, this is now, this is not Ezekiel. This is John, and he's out in the island of Patmos, and God is, Jesus is giving him a vision of what is to come. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree, of, of the tree were for healing of the nations. One day, God is going to rectify everything that the enemy tried to destroy. One day, God is going to restore what it is that he intended to be. Some of us say, man, but how did God, why did God allow the enemy just to, to have his way? One day, the enemy will meet his day, and God will dwell amongst his people the way he designed it to be. We find repeated in both passages that the river of life produces trees that do what? The Bible says that they provide healing. That's the invitation that we find in God's vision of life, church. Come and receive healing. How do we receive hope and healing? The book of Ezekiel ends this way in Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35. It says, And the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. 
to receive that hope, that healing by coming to and receiving God's presence in our lives. So I leave you with this. Are you drawing near to and receiving this vision of life from God? Because there are many, many competing visions of life that we hold on to. We want to move forward and we want to fulfill our dreams. Some of us, we spend a lot of time reading books. I, I mean, I read all kinds of books, but sometimes we spend a little bit too much time on reading books on how to advance our life physically here, our successes. We spend more time in those books than in the Word of God. We want to move forward and fulfill our, our dreams, but the question I have for you is, are those dreams coming from the right source? That's what we need to pay attention to. Are the, are, if you leave with anything today, church, listen, when you leave out of this church, I want you to ask yourself, are the visions that I, that I have for my life, for my family, whatever it is, are those visions coming from the right source? A temple-centered life, which is nothing less than a God-centered life is the way to true freedom, church. The river that flows from that center has the power, listen, it has the power to take a dead life as well as a dead land and fill it with true health. Abandoning that center, church, means nothing less than abandoning the source of life. Are you coming to the source of life, church? Are you going to the right source? Are you soaking in it? Are you saying, God, I want to take a bath in your presence. I want to play in your presence. I want to float in your presence. I want to dive in. I want to do cannonballs in your presence, God. Because it's there. It's available. What we see here, this is prophetic for what is to come one day when every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering. But right now, in the midst of the world that we live in, right now in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of disease, God still says, listen, I know it doesn't feel good, but you can still be in my presence. As a matter of fact, this is the only way you can navigate this crazy world and still be in one piece. It's in my presence. Many of us have jumped out of the blog. Many of us have jumped out of, that, out, of, out of that river. Many people that we know, and they're walking, and they're, they're wandering in the wilderness, and they're trying to figure out, why am I dry? Why do I feel so hot? Why is it that, that I don't feel refreshed? It's because they got out of the waters. If that's you here today, or if you're watching us online, I invite you to look, to see, to listen to open your hearts to what it is that God is showing you. And that is that that river of his, of his abundant presence is there. It's never left. It's still located in the same place. I'm inviting you to jump back in. Jump back in. And ask you to stand on your feet. Just close your eyes right where you're at. One question. Are you soaking in the presence of God? 
question that only you can answer. Are you soaking in the presence of God this morning? In your life, are you soaking in the presence of God? The 21 days, the season of fasting is, is, is over. Are you uh, Today, a week after that, are you still soaking in his presence? Whatever that answer is, I want you to speak to the Lord right now. If the answer is no, I'm not. Pastor, I jumped out of that. I jumped out of that river. And I've been in the wilderness. Listen, I invite you to jump back in. You have breath in your lungs. It's not too late. Jump back in. Talk to God right there where you're at. Speak to him. Go to God with a repentant heart. Lord, forgive me because I jumped out. Many of you are realizing that, listen, life is not the same without him. The reason why you jumped out of the river, it looked good. It looked appetizing. You said, oh, that's going to satisfy me. But it did only for a short while. And now you're left dry. Now you're left feeling abandoned. Now you're left feeling alone and dirty. God says, jump back in, my son. Jump back in, my daughter. There's room for you because I've got more than enough. Father God, I come before you right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, and I bring your children before you, God. Myself before you, Lord Jesus. Those that are watching us online, I bring us all before you right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, you know their hearts. You know their minds. You you know their battles, Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Father God, Lord, that they would have listened to your invitation, Lord Jesus Christ, to jump into the river, Father God, into your presence, God, to get closer to you for those that are having a hard time seeing what it is that you have for them, God, that you would allow them to into closer to you, God, closer to your presence, Lord, so that they can clearly see what it is that you have for them. Lord, so that we can go before those that have jumped out of the river, Lord, and that your presence that is in us would flow out, that we would be able to stand in the gap for them, God. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would do what you want with your church. Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be honest with you, that we would be transparent with you, that we would be real with ourselves and look at the physical condition, the spiritual condition of our spiritual lives, God, this morning. We pray, Father, Lord Jesus Christ, that we would draw closer to you. Because as those trees are planted by the river, God, those trees that bear fruit never go dry. Let that be us. Because our source is you, the one true God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, I pray as we get ready to dismiss here today, my God, that you would watch over your people. God, Lord Jesus, that you would remind us who we are. Lord, that you would remind us that we are your children. Lord, that no matter where we do, if we're going home, if we're going somewhere else, our work week, our school week, whatever is about to come, Lord, before we meet again, Lord, that you would remind us, God, that you have called us to be the salt of the earth, Lord, that you have called us to be the light of the world, that you did not call us to blend in, Lord. You've called your children to stand out, to allow, Lord, that water, your, pres- your presence to overflow from us and unto those who so desperately need it. 
Lord, I pray for your protection. Church, I leave you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. In Jesus' holy, great, mighty name, the church of God says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. We love you. And don't forget, if you want to sign up for this New Life Plus class, do so with Anthony in the back. Have a great week.